Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. May what is spoken and what is heard be in the name of Christ, who is the way and bids us follow. Amen. I'm very glad to be with you this morning. Even though I have not made an appearance in person here since I went to the 8 o'clock before COVID, I have been following you uh, in live stream, and Julie has given me some things to ponder in her sermons the last couple weeks. Am I, will I, be on the way with Jesus? And what do I do with hard teachings? Will I really dig into them? So when I sat down to look at the gospel for today, I was relieved that it didn't seem, at first, like one of the harder teachings. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. So I was raised in a Protestant church that took great pride in not being like the Pharisees, in that we didn't follow any dietary rules, not many piety rules at all, and never in my life have I really kept anything like a kosher law or any kind of purity law, not even fish on Friday kind of rules. So I can read this and feel pretty confident about being more in tune with God than those other Pharisees and other rule-bound practitioners of religion. These kinds of self-congratulatory thoughts don't last very long, though, this time for about a minute, until my husband and I received the following message from a beloved fellow clergy member from a place far away from here. He said, my personal moral dilemma is that I am out of patience with the folks who've relied on misinformation and to refuse to use vaccination and masking. With hospitals at or near capacity, I think that triage should include the question, have you been vaccinated? And if not, I'd give them two aspirin and a can of oxygen that you guys use for high altitude and put them in a chair in the hall, pray for them, and see whether they recover. My compassion has taken a real blow and I feel diminished as a Christian for it. My friend went on to explain how he and another member of his family had not been able to get critical medical care when they needed it because the ER and the ICU were filled with COVID patients who hadn't been vaccinated and mostly didn't wear masks. He had reasons for his objections to what those people were doing, yet, this antipathy toward them made him feel diminished as a Christian, diminished by what was in his heart. You see, this really is a hard teaching after all. In his email, my friend was dumping all his anger, fear, pain, and confessing all his base human instincts that sought to justify the vilification and the impulse to neglect and even punish 
fellow humans in need. And for a moment, I was with him. Yes, yes, you should have been able to have your surgery when you needed it. Why should other people who don't try take up all the resources? And then he brought me back. He admitted the result of his unloving thoughts, his sense of diminishment as a Christian. Here was a man who for decades has led churches in the way of Christ, realizing that he had lost some of his self, some of the person he has been all his life, some of his most basic identity as a Christian and a Christian pastor, no less, a person who follows and teaches Jesus' way of love. And yes, I was with him there, too. Yes, I, too, have been diminished at times by unloving thoughts that have come out of me. Maybe you have had that experience, too, not just related to COVID, but related to perhaps national and local politics, personal relationships, even church stuff. It could be anything. That's not to say that we cannot disagree or work towards ends that we believe are right and just. It is the diminishment of the other person in our hearts, the lack of care or even recognition that this too is a child of God, whom God cares about, that is the problem. There is a saying that holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the person you're angry at to die. That's not a Christian principle, per se, but it sure resonates with me as a Christian. Holding on to a grudge with its origin in pain, fear, or anger, and its ever-present lookout for payback is not the way of Jesus, who said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And yes, I feel diminished when I do this. Diminished to the point of living less well, to the point of starting to die a little inside. The spirit in me, the imago Dei, the image of God, seems to wither a bit by this kind of indulgence in self-righteousness. When we act like that, we are falling into the very camp we were so proud not to be a part of. We fall into the air of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, remember, were not bad people, not selfish oafs. They did not have terrible motives. They wanted to make the world ready for the Messiah who would come and save them from all the terrible oppression that they suffered. They believed that only when people were all living a righteous life, as the Talmud and their rabbis defined it, could the Messiah come and bring salvation to all God's people. I, on the other hand, believe that only when everyone is leading a righteous life, as scientists and public health officials have defined it, can our people be saved from the terrible disease that oppresses us. I am not a bad person either, not primarily selfish, although I would never claim that all the self-interest in my heart has been um, replaced by generosity. And my motives are not terrible. I am looking for fullness of life, the promise of fullness of life for myself, 
for those I love and for the world. Fullness of life, which ironically is the very thing I begin to lose the minute I start building up a case against those whom I believe are thwarting my impulses to make things better. In a nation so polarized as ours, it is frightening to see the downward spiral our society can fall into. Pronouncements that foster the discounting or dehumanizing of others produces a pandemic of self-diminishment and the loss of ability to look on each other as Jesus would have us do. I don't know about you, but when I think about it this way, I don't want to recall all the angry and judging things I have sometimes thought or even said. And I've noticed it doesn't really help anyway. I haven't changed anybody's heart with my vitriol except my own, and that to my detriment. My own sense of drifting away from the source of my being, my hope and resilience in the face of so much that needs my loving attention every day, and my need to be loving. Jesus tells us it is what comes out of us that defiles us, not what goes in. So we needn't worry about how pious we are, about what we eat, about ritualistic things we get wrong, or who we hang out with. We just need to pay attention to what is in our hearts. We can spiral upwards as well as downwards. It's called repenting, turning, and going the other way. Of course, we want to repent, to follow Jesus, to be loving people. I do, most of the time. But I would like to hold on to the right to maybe just hold one little grudge or just to write of one group of people who I feel are making the world a lot worse for me and those that I care about. Why can't I do this? Why does it diminish me? This week, I went to a cardiologist for the first time because I had some irregular heartbeats. It turns out they are not the kind of irregular heartbeats that will harm me, and I'm fine, just a little quirky, something my mother could have told you 70 years ago. But while I was there, the doctor explained that there are three things that make a healthy heart. One, the structure, the heart muscle being strong enough to pump. Two, the rhythm, the impulses that keep the heart beating at the right speed, or at least beating. Three, open blood vessels that allow the blood to flow freely. If even one of the blood vessels is blocked, or even partially blocked, the heart doesn't function well. It can't do its job of pumping out blood. It made me wonder about those bad things I would like to keep in my metaphorical heart, but still be a follower of Jesus. I started thinking about those as heart blockages, kind of the cholesterol of my heart, clogging my heart so that it can't do its job of pumping out love to the world. The way of Jesus, the way of love, is a rigorous journey and we need a fully functional heart to take it. This week, 
as we watch the horror of people desperately trying to flee Afghanistan. What do we see? What will we talk about? What will we do? There are plenty of opportunities to strengthen our hearts or to defile them here. We can pontificate on all the failures of the 20 years war and our leaders who got it into us or kept us in it. We can condemn the brutality of the terrorists, the ineptness of the decision makers who created this terrible situation at the airport. We can condemn them and wish the worst for them. It's easy to do. Don't get me started on the similarities between the evacuation of Saigon, leaving people behind, and the people hanging off the airplanes at the Kabul airport. But instead, as we participate in private and public analysis and debate, we can refuse to vilify people who oppose our analysis and vision. We can do all kinds of things in the name of justice and truth. We can advocate, campaign, vote, demonstrate. We can regret, mourn, and resolve to influence our leaders more. If you think it's what's needed, to find better leaders and still do all this without self-righteousness or vitriol. We can refuse to let our hearts be blocked up. We can indeed exercise our hearts and strengthen them on what we can do for the 1,500 or so Afghan refugees who might land in St. Louis soon. We might accompany someone who has lost everything but their life, maybe even the people they love, and need a compassionate companion to help them take baby steps toward feeling safe and functional again. We can speak words of reassurance, teach language, provide transportation. We can help newcomers acquire things they need by donations to the International Institute. We need to do some of these things. We need to do these things and other acts of compassion because this is our opportunity to be the hands of Christ in the world, to be the mouth of God, speaking words of comfort, hope, and love. And we need to do it because by doing it, our heart muscles will grow stronger and we will keep the channels open for love to flow. We will develop the heart to be people of the way of love. And in fact, my friends, I suspect we will discover that we already are. Amen.